Hi, and welcome to episode four of Sentience. I'm really glad to still have you with me. If you're new to the show, we're here to discuss everything about veganism. So if you're vegan, vegan curious, or never heard anything about veganism and want to understand where vegans come from, this is more than likely the show for you. So my name is Leon and I run an animal rights group called Sentience, All That Matters. We operate out of the South Coast. And you can take a look at what we get up to by visiting our Facebook page, Sentience, All That Matters, or going on to TikTok and looking for Activist269. You can also go on our website, sentienceatm.earth. And I'd also like to invite you to send some questions in. And you can do that by emailing me directly. The email address is sentienceatm at gmail.com. So if you have a question regarding any of the content of the previous shows or some content you'd like us to cover, please feel free to send me an email and we'll see if we can get that included for you. So as you may or may not know, we like to have a respectful intersectional conversation here about veganism. So we will discuss animal rights, we'll also discuss environmental issues, climate change, your personal health and lifestyle, any forms of activism we will discuss on your road to understanding why animals have a right not to be abused. So now I have a few shows under my belt, we are going to start forming some kind of structure and uh, each week we are going to feature an animal rights hero and whether that is a sanctuary, an activist or a company that has been formed to protect animals or help save animals, we're going to do a little featurette on them and uh, give you some contact details for them. These people are superheroes that go out of their way to help the animals and have changed not only their lifestyle but sometimes their careers to take a more meaningful direction. So we'll get to that later on in this week's show. For the meantime, this week's first topic will be the life of a pig in the animal agriculture industry. And we'll get started with that right after this little gem. Thank you, Jesus. 
So let's get right into this. The life of a pig in the animal agriculture industry. Let's start by saying you're highly unlikely to find any animal rights activist that wouldn't describe the horrendous physical treatment of piglets as anything short of torture. What I'm about to describe to you is standard practice in the UK animal agriculture industry. Is RSPCA approved? Red tractor stamped? and will include labels such as free range. So as always, let's start at the beginning. Pigs are sentient beings. They have the ability to feel. Pigs also have huge cognitive abilities and are quite sophisticated. Pigs are more intelligent than dogs and pigs have the same cognitive functions as a three-year-old. Peer-reviewed research done at Cambridge University shows pigs can play video games and when, even when given the choice, they have indicated temperature preferences in their surroundings. Pigs can live into their teens. They are clean animals, but they do not sweat. That's why they prefer cool surfaces such as mud to help regulate their body temperature. Pigs have social networks and form strong bonds with other pigs. So now we've established they can understand what is happening to them and their environment, what happens to pigs on a farm? So the majority of sows, i.e. mother pigs, will spend most of their lives in individual gestation crates. These crates are around seven feet long and two feet wide. They are so small, they don't even allow the sow to turn around. After giving birth to the piglets, sows are moved to farrowing crates which are wide enough for them to lie down and nurse, but again, not big enough for them to turn around or build nests for their young. They will spend the entire time on a concrete floor, sitting in a metal cage. When the piglets are born, they will suckle from a small area next to the crate known as the creep. The sow will not be able to access her children from the cage. It's also important to note the sow went through artificial insemination by the farmer. The piglets will be weaned at around four weeks and after being taken from their mothers they will be put in fattening pens. Again, basic concrete and steel containment. At this stage, any piglets deemed not fit for purpose will be killed using blunt force trauma. This includes grabbing them by the back legs, swinging the pig and smashing its skull in on the concrete floor. An act that is RSPCA approved. One recent investigation by Viva videoed farm workers slamming the piglets into walls and across metal grates to kill them. For the piglets that make it past this stage comes the mutilation. Farmers will cut off their tails with scissors and snap their teeth in half with pliers to ensure they don't bite each other due to the stressful environment they're being kept in. And of course, all of this is done with no anaesthetic because that would cost time and money for the farmer. 
piglets will be kept in the fattening pens for five or six months at which point when they reach slaughter weight they will be sent to be slaughtered and of course some of the female piglets will be used as breeding sows to go through the same system as their mothers. Piglets also quite often have their ears clipped as an identification marker. So once at the slaughterhouse, how are the pigs killed? Around 86% of UK pigs are gassed to death. In the UK, we kill 3,000 pigs per day. Three to four pigs at a time will be lowered into a gas chamber containing around 80% concentration of carbon dioxide. The carbon dioxide forms acid when it touches wet surfaces such as the lungs and the eyes and the pigs will endure burning pain for up to 60 seconds before losing consciousness. The remaining 14% of UK pigs are killed in the same way as cows. They will be bolt gun in the head and have their throats slit. Once again, a large percentage of the time the bolt gun is ineffective, meaning the pig will still be alive and conscious and thrashing around when its throat is cut. Either way, you can imagine the excruciating pain and trauma for 60 seconds while you wait to die. And all of this pain and torture for a bacon sandwich.
So there you have it, the shocking reality of the life of a pig in the animal agriculture industry. That is what you're contributing to every time you buy animal-based products. As always, don't believe a word I say. Feel free to do your own research. Simply need to go on to RSPCA website or onto DEFRA's own website and all the information is there for you to digest. All of these practices are standard practice on UK farms across the multiple mega farms we now have. I believe it's over 1100 of these farms at the moment and uh, that is how they treat the animals in these establishments. And just a quick reminder before you tell me that you buy your meats from local free range small holdings that wherever the animals have been brought up they still end up going through the same horrendous process and will end up at the slaughterhouse being killed in the exact same way. So you see there really is no way to kill somebody that didn't want to die. Pigs are sentient beings like you and I. They have an understanding of who they are, their surroundings, they know who's around them and they can sense what's about to happen to them. So whether we are looking at a small holding of 50 pigs or a factory farm of 3,000 pigs, the end result is still the same. Somebody is going to lose their life for a sandwich. So why do I explain the process to you? Why, why do I think that you need to know exactly what these animals go through in order for you to have that cellophane flesh on the supermarket shelf? Well, most people would like to believe that they are animal lovers and that they would want to protect animals. We see on the news all the time, people diving into icy rivers to protect and save dogs that have fallen in. We see videos of sheep being pulled out of ravines. People rescuing birds when they've broken wings, recuperating them and releasing them. And we consider somebody who has saved an animal in distress to be a hero. So why then does that hero go home and consume the body parts of another animal? Why is the life of the animal they saved worth more than the life of the animal they're prepared to eat? And this is the disconnect that we are trying to remove. We're trying to get you to see there is no difference between the pig flesh on your plate and the dog you just pulled out of a lake. To the particular animal, their life is as valuable as the next one. It is also as valuable as ours. Now whilst we're on the subject of pigs, I can't tell you how many times at street outreach someone has played the if you were on a desert island with a pig card and tried to persuade me that at the point of starvation I would kill the pig and eat the pig. Now after rescuing some pigs I can tell you it's far more likely that the pig would eat me. But for the instance of this example we will assume that both the pig and I are friends and neither really want to eat each other. So why wouldn't I take the nearest rock and bludgeon the pig to death and eat the pig to stay alive? Well, it's quite simple really, it's value of life. And I have the same value of life for the pig that I do for my own. It would go against all of my moral standing to murder another sentient being 
so that I may survive. Now that may be difficult for you to comprehend, but it's quite simple for me. I simply don't have the right to take that life. So the option simply isn't on the table. When we come back, we're going to discuss this week's animal rights hero.
Welcome back. So let's get into our first animal rights heroes and it would be remiss of me to not start with the amazing team at the Retreat, Rescue and Animal Sanctuary in Kent. Since 1989, Billy and the team have been rescuing animals from their horrendous previous lives. And today, the retreat will house anything upwards of 1,200 rescue animals and to date have rescued over 20,000 animals. The retreat was founded by Billy out of his frustration at the way that the human race treats animals. And some of the residents include ex-racehorses, riding school ponies, sheep, cows saved from slaughter, ex-petting farm goats, injured birds and even ferrets. Now if you've never been to the retreat, it is a wonderful facility, absolutely huge and expertly kept. They have the most amazing on-site cafe serving all vegan food cooked by the wonderful Neil. Entrance to the retreat is free, but naturally you're more than welcome to give them a donation towards the hundreds of pounds a day it costs to keep that many animals fed and sheltered. The retreat has a genuine no-kill policy and when visiting you are requested to not bring any animal products onto the sanctuary. Some of the lucky team get to live on site at the retreat and they also rehome animals into their own accommodation. Now the retreat aimed to rehome as many animals as possible as obviously there is a constant influx of rescues on a daily basis. And due to this constant pressure, the team at the retreat are looking to purchase the neighboring land. If you would like to help them achieve this, please go to their funding page at gofundme.com forward slash help hyphen us hyphen help hyphen them hyphen more and leave a donation to help them towards purchase of the extension area. Alternatively, you can go onto their website at retreatanimalrescue.org.uk and on the about page there will be a donate button that you can click and this will take you through to make your donation. Now these guys are all true animal rights heroes dedicating their lives the saving of exploited animals from all walks of life and I feel truly privileged to know them and will volunteer at the sanctuary as often as I can. Now if you would like to volunteer at the sanctuary again simply visit their website retreatanimalrescue.org.uk make contact with Billy and the team and they will set you up with one of their volunteering days. And if you happen to be an animal rights activist, there are multiple organized volunteer days and weekends throughout the year that you can also get involved in. You will find the retreat at Brickyard Lane, Cripple Hill, High Holden, Kent, TN26 3LJ. The retreat is the perfect place to visit if you are looking for a way to make that connection with the animals and hopefully an afternoon spent there will help you make the right choice. Fight. They didn't even make the sound. I found- 
there we have it our first animal rights heroes the full team at the retreat so veganism is a journey and i'm going to give you an example of why it is a journey and one particular change that i made once i made the connection so i'm a motorcyclist and i love nothing more than to take my bike out for a ride through the countryside I also take my bike to Brands Hatch a few times a year to have a proper session where there's no danger and it's a controlled environment. Now one of the uh, conditions of going to Brands Hatch is that you have a connectable two-piece or a full race leather set and you're not allowed on track unless you are wearing this item. So having been riding motorcycles for 12 years I'd obviously purchased a set of leathers to enable me to do track days. Now once I'd gone vegan I still had my motorcycle leathers and I actually hadn't ridden my bike for around six months and my first opportunity to ride the bike I went to put on my leathers and had to stop short of putting my arm into the jacket. Once I realized I was about to put somebody's skin on 
to protect my own skin. So even though I was vegan and an activist, because the leathers were hidden away in a cupboard and I hadn't actually thought about them, there I was, a vegan activist with a leather suit sitting in my wardrobe. Now it took a nanosecond for me to make the connection and actually I was quite shocked that I still had this suit, had completely forgotten about it and there was absolutely no way that that was going on in my body. Upon that realisation I needed to atone for what I'd done. I held my leathers tight, closed my eyes and I apologised to the poor sentient being that had died to provide those leathers for me to wear. That was a way for me to show my regret for what I'd purchased and everybody will have a different way of doing that. So now I'm sat here with a full leather suit that cost nearly a thousand pounds. What do I do? Do I throw them away? Do I bury them? What do I do with them? Well, I decided to give mine to charity. And there's a few reasons why I came to that decision. Firstly, those items being sold in charity shop means that no new set of leathers has to be produced for somebody else. Secondarily, the money raised from them being sold will go to causes to help other animals, including human beings. There was also the environmental aspects where treated motorcycle levers can take multiple decades to decompose when buried and will contaminate the soil surrounding them. Now, whether you agree with this decision or not, the leathers had been purchased previously prior to me being vegan and they needed to be removed from my house. Now, there's multiple vegans and vegan activists that still have leather products and animal-based products that they still use. And it is entirely down to the individual and how they see those items and the continual use of those items by themselves as a vegan. For me, on my journey, I simply couldn't wear those leathers again. And that doesn't mean to say that I'm better than anybody else because I made that decision. It is a journey and you are where you are on your own journey. So what's the alternative? If I still want to do track days, I'm gonna need a leather suit, surely. Otherwise, my motorcycling days are over. Well, thankfully, companies like Andromeda Moto now do 100% vegan motorcycle leathers. They are the only supplier in the whole world to have a 100% vegan range. Their clothing passes all of the safety regulations for the UK and worldwide. And even their shipping is Go Green approved, carbon neutral. So as ever, there is always an alternative option. It's not about having to lose things out of your life. It's about changing what you class as a product. You can choose kindness, whether it's steak, milk, or motorcycle leathers. We'll be right back after this. It's a god awful small affair to the girl with the mousy hair. But her mummy is yelling no, and her daddy has told her to go. But her friend is nowhere to be seen Now she walks through her sunken dream To the seat with the clearest view And she's hooked to the silver screen But the film is a sad thing for For she's lived it ten times or more She could spit in the eyes of fools As they ask her to fall Take a look at 
talk a little bit about making that connection from a non-vegan perspective. What actually happens when you decide to start seeing the animals for who they are? Start seeing them as somebody, not something. What makes the change from your normal life where you've consumed animal products, you're wearing animal products, you, you see them as consumerist items rather than sentient beings that need to have their lives respected? What's the catalyst for everybody that makes them start looking into that disconnect, that cognitive dissonance that they carry with them. Well, the truth is, there is no specific item. There is no specific set of circumstances that will lead to you starting to look into animal rights. It could be anything from an advert on the television, listening to a radio show like this, one of your friends becoming vegan, health issues, worried about climate change. It could be absolutely anything that leads to that initial inquiry. There is no silver bullet. If there was, every single animal rights activist that had a conversation in the street would be turning people vegan left, right and centre. Sadly, this doesn't happen because life doesn't work like that. But one thing that's for sure is that once the seed has been planted or the event has taken place that has piqued your interest, you will start on a path to eventual veganism because once you understand what you're contributing to and that there are plenty of alternative options you will make the right choice most people do consider themselves to be ethical and responsible and once the information is in your head it's extremely hard to get it out of your head now whether this takes you a week 
or a year to make the decision, it is inevitable that the correct moral choice will follow. Once again, we come back to the journey. Us human beings are extremely emotional and we can all be in different places in our lives, having different stresses and different situations affecting our decision-making processes. And whilst I'd very much like you to go vegan overnight, I do live in the real world and I need to offer you information and solutions and guidance to help you make the decision yourself and make it a permanent one. The people we speak to in the streets, we don't know them personally. We don't know what's going on in their lives. And we have to accept that they may not be in the right state of mind or the right time of their lives to make the necessary changes that we want. And while this might be an unpopular statement in some areas of the animal rights movement, it's where I believe we should be. If we want people to follow us of their own free will,
Now, another excellent way of understanding disconnect is to think of something from the past that society deemed as perfectly normal and natural that now seems utterly ludicrous. And the classic example for me is smoking. So, if you're old like me, you'll remember being able to smoke on an aeroplane. You'll remember being able to smoke in cinemas, pubs, restaurants, pretty much anywhere you liked. I myself spent a decade working in pubs around people smoking, and it was perfectly normal for people to light up wherever they were, whatever the occasion. Looking back now, the thought of 300 people on an aeroplane all smoking cigarettes with lighters and lighter fluid, etc., in their pockets seems utterly ridiculous. Some wonderful childhood memories of sitting in the back of my parents' car whilst they're both smoking and blowing all the smoke into the back of the car. At the time, seemed perfectly normal, and why would we even question it? And that's the crux of the point, is that by questioning the things that we do, we understand what we are contributing to. Now, my parents smoking in the car is a classic example of them being blissfully unaware of what happens when people breathe in secondhand cigarette smoke, let alone what they were doing to their own bodies. Transfer that thought process to the consumption of animal-based products and it's very easy to start seeing why you need to investigate. So this week I'm going to leave you some homework. I'd like you to go online and watch the film Carnage by Simon Anstel. Once you've watched the film, relate the content to smoking and you'll understand what we're saying. So on that vegan bombshell, it's over to the cranberries to play us out.
Radio Illuminoi.